Today we're continuing on in our Advent series called Looking for Christmas. Yogi Berra once quipped, you can see a lot just by looking. Or, as a Japanese proverb warns, we can never see the sunrise by looking into the West. What we see in life is in large part dependent upon what we're looking for. We tend to see what we're looking for. If you're not looking for anything special this Advent and Christmas season, you probably won't see anything special. This Advent sermon series is attempting to help us in our looking for Christmas as we seek to find its deeper and truer meaning. But that's a lot easier said than done because we all have certain expectations based on our past experiences. Where we sit and what we expect have a great deal to do with what we see. For some, this season is already calling forth lots of joy and excitement with the thought of family and friends, caring and sharing, gifts and giving. While for others, this is a difficult and discouraging time. The murder rate is up in December as well as the accident, car, uh, car accident rate. Many people will slip into a depressed state with the approach of Christmas. There's a lot of pressure to be happy. But if past Christmases weren't happy, it's unlikely this one will be any different. Or if you have lost a loved one with whom you shared many special, wonderful Christmases in the past, this may be an especially difficult year. I don't know what it will be for you. I only know that if we aren't intentional in our looking for Christmas, the likelihood of seeing it from our limited perspective of past conditioning is fairly high. A number of years ago, in early December, I was sitting at a dinner table with a young family. We were talking about the baby Jesus. And three-year-old Holly looked up at her mother and she said, she asked, Mommy, how many more naps till Christmas? The point is, where we are in our life and what we're looking for play a large role in what we will see and experience. I want you to take just a moment, if you would, and imagine a time in your life when you were anticipating something very special for the first time. And try to go back, say, a month or so before that event. And remember what it was like and what you were feeling I mean, it might have been a graduation, your first real job, marriage, a first child or first grandchild, a trip or a vacation, a special celebration, birthday or anniversary, retirement or something else. Just take a moment and try to get in touch with those feelings in the weeks leading up to that first time special event. If you've gotten in touch with that, then you know something can be very different before than it is after the event. So today, we're exploring the, um, the near side, a view from the near side of Christmas. 
And we can't really do this. We can only imagine it, just like I asked you to do uh, in imagining something that had already happened in your life. But we, we are here, we are all post-Christmas Christians in the sense that the first Christmas happened over 2,000 years ago, right? We can, but we can, only ima- we can only see it from the far side, which we're going to explore next week. But what I want you to do for a little bit today is just try to imagine it from the near side. Because I'm on the near side of the congregation, and I can only imagine what you look like on the back side. (laughs) Until I walk back here and actually can turn around and see it from this vantage point. And all of a sudden, I see what you're looking at. So the view... And where we are, where we're positioned, affects what we see. And what I'm trying to get us to think about today is to look at the event of Christ coming from the near side before it happened. Because we're limited time-bound creatures. And until something arrives, we can only see it from the near side. And just because it's a limited Viewpoint doesn't mean we should give up looking. It simply means that we need to be aware of our limitation and keep looking. And that's what the four Sundays of Advent try to get us to do, to prepare for and anticipate what's coming on Christmas Day. So we've looked at the below view last week. Today we're looking at the near side, next week the far side, the following Sunday the above view, and then on Christmas Eve a view from the middle. You see, we're trying to have the broadest view possible when it comes to looking for Christmas, which is a huge attempt at trying to blend God's view into our view. I want you to listen to how Presbyterian pastor J. Barry Shepard put it in a piece called Hanging the Greens. I think we can all relate to this. We bring the outside in. The chill and waning season cut boughs and branches, strands of light and living green, and deck them all about the walls and ledges of our houses, make believe we fashion an enchanted forest glade to frame our festive celebrations. Evergreens, we call them, though they bleed and die, so soon in overheated rooms. Yet that dying lens of fragrance and a grace foretells if we will heed another time and space where trees and thorns no longer green fulfill their cruel necessary function in the bright evergreening of our wintered race. That's a broad view of faith from the near side of Christmas. And yet there are some who barely see anything of real depth or meaning at this time of year because they're not really looking. Are we lost because we miss the sign that stands along the windings of the way in twilight's gloom and points the road today looking for Christmas? Has anybody seen Christmas underneath the glitter and the sequins and the bows? Has anybody seen Christmas lost among the parties and the chatter and the noise? What are you looking for, really, as we are positioned here sort of on the near side of Christmas? 
the children of Israel had that nearsight perspective. That's what we were looking at through the lens of our two scripture passages. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And he goes on, and then he presents this amazing image after the deportation after they've known suffering and discouragement, a new vision is presented. Hasn't come yet, but there's anticipation. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear graze together. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the whole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's a prophetic vision from the near side. There was great anticipation, expectation, human longing and hope because of wars and of being taken into captivity on and off throughout their history. The look was for a Messiah who would bring peace. Not just inner peace, but true peace for all creation. Did you see all those images of unlikely animals lying down and feeding together? They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. They were looking for peace and compatibility justice, and goodwill. And the other passage, that challenging passage, was simply to remind us of the generations and the generations and the generations who had lived in anticipation on the near side of the Messiah's coming. And if we thought it was hard to read that and to even listen to it, imagine what it was like to be to truly be on the near side, living in a pre-industrial modern society thousands of years ago. Without that perspective, without trying to understand it from the near side, we are doomed to only see it the way we're conditioned on past experiences. There we go. This year, we are going to be at least given the opportunity to try to see it from different perspectives. We have the chance to see the mystery and the presence of Christ anew this year. So what will you see this Advent and Christmas season, really? What are you truly looking for?